For the director of music of David, the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hands of all his enemies and from the hands of Saul. He said, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me, and the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth and burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark were the clouds under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. God soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy, his covering around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced. With hailstones and bolts of lightning, the Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the seas were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare. At the rebuke, Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils, he reached down from high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy and from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me into a spacious place. He rescued in me because he delighted in me. This song appears elsewhere in scripture. So the book of 2 Samuel has an exact copy of this song in it as well. So we know that David sang this song a lot. Okay, it was a pretty prevalent song. This was not something he sang once. And the caption before this psalm says, David sang this when God delivered him from the hands of his enemies. And just, like, think about David's life for a second. He faced a lot of different kinds of enemies. As a shepherd, he faced enemies that were animals, things like lions. As a warrior, he faced giants, people like Goliath. He faced foreign nations, Philistines. But Psalm 18 is about the fact that no matter which enemy David faced, he always won because the same God was always on his side. And there's a statement that says that this was for the hymn book of Israel. So check this out. This began as David's personal song. Okay, think of a song you might sing like in the shower or in the car, right? Just kind of a catchy tune. Well, David had a personal song. And he would sing it as they went into battle. And one day some warriors that are alongside David maybe heard the tune. And they maybe heard some of the words. And this song began to spread. One day this becomes Israel's national hymn of victory. So get this. They knew what song they were going to sing when they won the battle before they went into the battle. 
David had prepared what the victory celebration was going to look like before they even fought. So I don't know if you know this, but David has the most impeccable military victory record in Scripture. Okay, Joshua, like the greatest warrior in Israel's history, Joshua lost some battles. We have no record of David ever losing a battle. None. And it's because he had this sense of expectation going into the battle. And when I look at this psalm, Psalm 18, and I study it, the thing that screams at me more than anything is that this psalm is not about David. I don't know if you caught that, but all the actions in this psalm are not being done by him. God's the one parting the heavens. God's the one sending arrows. God's the one sending lightning. It takes David 37 verses in Psalm 18. We didn't even get there to get to a point where he's doing something active. So the reversal this passage presents is that the most undefeated warrior in Israel's history is actually undefeated not because of him, but because somebody else is fighting for him. There's a warrior in heaven that's on his side. So if you want to understand Psalm 18, you need to understand a little bit more about the God who fought for David. Let's say this box represents David's life. And uh, many of you know this, but David was anointed king by the prophet Samuel, right? Poured oil on him. You remember that scene? Well, the moment that Samuel poured oil on David's life, it's like God chose David. Okay, David had surrendered his life to God. My box, my life is yours, God. And the moment that God poured oil on him, God stamped his name on David. Okay, so God entered into a covenant with David. The name of the king was now written on David's life. Now, I don't know if you know this, but back in the day, they had covenants. So a king would often make an agreement with a lesser party. And that agreement, that covenant, was usually an exchange. So the lesser party, the servant, said, hey, I'm going to give you, the king, my obedience, my devotion, my unconditional loyalty. That was their part. But the king's part was to stamp their name on the servant. So from there on out, any battle the servant had was the king's battle. Any enemies the servant had, they were the king's enemies. God has stamped his name on David's life, and that's why he fights for him. I want you to turn your attention to the screen for a second and uh, watch this brief video clip. I think this helps you get the idea of stamping someone's name in a covenant. If you've seen this movie, The Avengers, you know that the girl in this clip, Wanda, has been kind of bad throughout the movie. So the movie starts and she's against the Avengers, fighting against them. Middle of the movie, she's kind of neutral, not for them, not against them, just kind of alongside. This scene changes everything. It's this moment where Hawkeye says to her, look, it doesn't matter who you used to be or what you've done. If you go forward from this point on, the name Avenger is going to get stamped on you. It does not matter who you were or what you did before the king entered into a covenant with you. The moment his name got stamped on you, it was done. We still are in that covenant today with God. 
Now, it's a new covenant, but the same principles apply. So you and I have given our unconditional obedience, loyalty, and devotion to God, right? And you walk into services all the time where we preach that side of the covenant. And we should. Don't forget the other side. There is a God who fights for you. And to ask your king to fight your battles was not asking the king to go above and beyond. It's not like, hey, can you just like spare me a minute of time and like, I'm sorry to inconvenience you. That's what he loves to do. He wanted this covenant so he could fight for you. He fights your battles. And when you say, dude, I don't know if I'm important enough for God to fight my battles. You're missing the fact that Psalm 18 was not about David. It's not about you and I, guys. It's not about how significant you are, how important your life is, how big you are. It's not about your bigness. It's about your belief. Do you believe that's true? If there's a king named Jesus and he stamped his name on your life and he wants to fight your battles. Because if I thought that was true, I might live a little different. Let's put that next part of the passage on the screen. I would love for you to actually join me in reading this out loud with me, okay? So let's read this out loud together, starting with as for God. Ready? As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. Let's read this as well together. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield and your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. Okay, so relatively few of us have a life like David where you're fighting an actual military battle with physical enemies. So what battles do we need God to fight for us today? Before I answer that, I want to tell you this. There's only one thing that David does really actively the whole psalm. There's one word he repeats over and over and over and over. He calls out to God. He's praying, asking God to fight for him. So whatever battle you're asking God to fight for you, that's your part. You must ask. I was in uh, Nashville recently and um, heard a, a woman there telling her testimony. And uh, she was from North Carolina. Grew up in North Carolina, had all her family there, had a good job. And one day she felt really led, prompted by the Holy Spirit that she needed to move. Okay, she needed to take everything, move, and go to the city of Nashville. She had no doors open to her that you might think would, would preempt a move, didn't have a job there, didn't have family, didn't know people. In faith, she decides to step out and go. So she goes to Nashville, and there's no uh, open doors that come her way. Okay, things start to get really hard. Uh, she does not find a job. She's driving in Nashville one day. Her car breaks down. 
There's a dollar and eight cents in her bank account, okay? Not good. There's one day that she's sitting in a room in Nashville and she's looking up at the ceiling and she's complaining to God saying, God, why did you call me to do this? And she feels prompted in that moment to call out. She feels prompted to ask that God would fight her battle, so she begins to pray. And she senses, again, a weird prompting, saying, I want you to pray for a check in the mail. She's like, God, that's crazy. That happens to, like, miracle people. That's not my thing. Prays for it, gets up the next day, walks out to the mailbox. She's like, this is not going to happen. This is not real. Checks in the mail. She gets a job. Her circumstances begin to shift. Some of you, the position you're in, the battle you need God to fight for you is the fact that your circumstances are really not right right now. So for some of you, this position represents that maybe financially things are really difficult. For some of you, it's there's somebody at home, a family member, who's lost. For some of you, it's grades. Like there's some circumstance in your life that's not right and you need to apply Psalm 18 by calling out to the king and asking him to fight for you. And here's how you do that. You speak the name of Jesus. You speak the name of Jesus over your circumstances. And when you do that, one of two things happen. Either your circumstances change or you change in your circumstances. Which is the greater miracle? Right? Stop being somebody who says, God, just fix it. Just fix the problem. Can we go beyond that? Can we get more mature? Can you say, God, yes, change my circumstances, but change me? There's so many times something has happened in my life and I look back on it, I'm like, God, why did that happen? It's because God was making me into a stronger prayer warrior or more a man of the word through that. Complaining about your circumstances steals an opportunity for God to reveal his glory. Hear that, church. But calling out, that's inviting him to speak his glory over your life. Just close your eyes for a second. Holy Spirit, I pray right now in these next 30 seconds that if there's a circumstance in our life that we're complaining about instead of crying out about, I pray you just reveal that right now in Jesus' name. Just listen for a second. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you are not there, though. Some of you are on the opposite end of the spectrum. So if that's my circumstances, that's kind of the table, the position that I perceive is totally outside of my control. This one's different, though. For some of you, the battle you need God to fight for you is not your circumstances, it's your mind. Okay, if you've ever seen like sports centers, like top plays that go bad, like the top 10 that were like the worst. Okay, I remember watching one of those and in one of those, there was this baseball play where the pitcher throws the ball, catcher catches it, but immediately drops the ball. Problem is, doesn't drop it just right there, drops it, rolls off his foot, chaos ensues. Guy at third, steals home, everybody moves forward a base. Some of you in your spiritual walk right now feel like your mind 
is a battlefield. You are so defenseless against thoughts of comparison where you're comparing yourself to somebody else's success or beauty and that makes you feel worthless. Some of you are so defenseless you have found no weapon to help you fight pornography and lust. It's a mind battle. Some of you, it's anxiety, it's worry. You need to claim that the king is going to fight for you in your mind. You're not asking him to do extra. He wants that. He wants that. And instead of watching the enemy steal bases in your mind, earn territory he has not taken and has no right to, you need to speak the name of the king. You need to say, I'm going to speak God's word over my mind. Listen to this, Zechariah 2.5, For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her, my people, and her glory in her midst. Isaiah 54, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Isaiah 49, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Why? Because I, your God, have engraved your name on the palm of my hands. Are you fighting a battle in your mind? Speak God's word over your mind. Things begin to shift when you take words from the mouth of God and put them on your mouth. You take thoughts from the thoughts of God, the dreams that God dreams, which he has expressed to us in scripture, and you put them in your mind. That is when these strongholds in your mind begin to vanish. For some of you, your life's sitting here. For some of you, it's over here. But there's some of you, you're not in a battle right now. Okay, you're not in some place of like, my mind is, is fine, my, my circumstances are great, but a battle's probably coming your way. And guys, David didn't just sing this song once, he sang it constantly, it was a lifestyle. So what would it look like to live a lifestyle of constantly asking the king to fight for you even when you're not in trouble? I would call that praying without ceasing. Okay, and here's the problem. Some of you in this room, your prayer life is defined by your problems. So you pray when you're here and when you're here, but when that's not happening, there's like no communication between you and God. If your prayer life is defined by your problems, your prayer life will be defined by your problems. Right? There's this whole level of joy, intimacy, this depth of prayer and relationship with God that I can access if I become somebody who calls out at all times. David was undefeated. I think I can be undefeated. I think you can be undefeated, not because of us, nothing to do with us. The same king is stamped on us. What would this community look like? What would happen in Marion, Indiana, in the nation, if a group of a couple thousand college students dared to believe that God is the same God he was today as he was in Psalm 18, and that he's still as eager to fight our battles as the people of God as he was then? You know what happened? We call it revival. People would start to see signs and wonders and the people of God legitimately living out the gospel because the name of the king is on us. Believe that. 
Speak that. Call out. Guys, if some of you are in a place that you feel so defeated and so dark, if there's shame in your life because your thought life is not what it should be, speak into it. Choices matter. That's our theme this semester. Choose to speak. Ask the undefeated God to fight on your part and watch him win. God, I just pray that we'd be that people. God, I just pray that this would be more than just a message, but God, that you would remind us that your name is stamped on us. God, would we dare to try impossible things? Would we dare to move? Would we dare to live boldly because the name of the king is stamped on us? There's a passage in the Bible where Moses was fighting a battle. And Moses didn't have a flag. He didn't have a standard to raise up against the people they were fighting. So he did something kind of cool. He raised his hands. He said, God, my hands are empty, but I believe that you, Lord, are like a banner. You're like a flag I can raise against the enemy. And so there come times where you need to raise a hand and say, God, I'm saying right now, I want you to fight my battles. Jesus, show up in our minds. Heal us, give us peace that surpasses understanding. Jesus, you are here. Help us to set our minds on things above. And may this not stop today. May this be an everyday event where we surrender our minds to you and we speak the truth over our minds. We pray that in the name of the King. And God's people said, amen. May the King... God the warrior, fight for you as you call out to him.